This is your other brother's podcast. It's like running through an open door. It's like finding what you're looking for. We've been waiting. We won't wait no more. We got a beautiful story. Every morning, on and on. We got a beautiful story. And we've only just begun. The best is yet to come. Welcome home, friends, to your other brother's podcast. We are a community navigating faith, homosexuality, and masculinity together. From the Jewel of the Blue Ridge of Asheville, North Carolina, my name is Tom. I'm so glad you're here. Joining me, joining us rather, today is a couple of dearly beloved, they're not married, dearly beloved brothers <laughs> from the City of Oaks. It's our other brother, Ryan. What's up, Ryan? Hey, Tom. Hey, everyone. You know, there's a new way to do this intro every time I found. There's no end. It just can be diverse. It doesn't have to be the same robotic intro every single time. So, Ryan from Raleigh. What's up, friend? Um, and then joining us from the folksy tundra, our other brother, Aaron. What's up, Aaron? Hey there. Oh, hey there. It's good to have you. Good to have <laughs> you both. Um, you guys, this is a great episode because I love episodes that just, I mean, I guess every episode's organic in the sense that we have to decide what it is. It's not, we don't spin a wheel and it's not random chance when we decide our episode topics. But this one feels particularly organic, if I can use that word, because um, it sort of follows up from the last episode that you guys appeared on, which was gay representation in media. Um, this was actually a topic that was explored, that was mentioned when we did a Zoom call a few months ago with our listeners, with our supporters. Um, they gave us like, I don't even know, 15 or 20 suggestions. It was fantastic. Such a great brainstorming session, something we'll be doing again with our Patreon community. Um, and someone mentioned something along the lines, they didn't put a title on it, but they, they mentioned something about what do we do with, with gay movies or gay TV shows, shows that are explicitly like LGBT themed, like what do we do with that as as Jesus followers, as people who believe in a, in a traditional sexual ethic? Like, do we do we watch those? Do we steer clear from them? Do we do we like make other people not watch them? Do we do we like put up warning signs? Like, what do we do? What do we do? Is there wisdom in watching or or digesting various forms of LGBT plus media? So um, this was a topic that came from our listeners, and it kind of felt like a great follow up from our last episode that we did together with with you guys. Um, and so whether it's a sequel, whether it's a spin-off, I'm not sure. It's, it's some some sort of like follow-up from gay representation in media where we focused on seeing gay characters show up in our on in movies and shows and books and what have you. Um, and today we're talking about explicitly LGBT plus media. So whether that's movies, shows. Um Aaron, you actually mentioned, I, I think it was on that podcast, you might have mentioned like um having those seasons where you where you go to the Netflix section and and you scroll down there's like an LGBT section and that's and then you'll see you know, oh, yeah. how many films they have yeah so that's what Netflix we're talking about Netflix or Hulu or Amazon yeah, the you list go, goes on they've all go got to them these days Discovery Plus <laughs> <laughs> all right i don't know i don't know if Discovery Plus has an LGBT plus section but um, we're talking about LGBT plus media today and what to do with that the pros the cons the benefits the distractions like we're gonna we're gonna dive into that we got some some good feedback as always from our yobbers so we'll be sharing that as well 
Um, something though that I need to bring up, we like to reference current events. Uh, it's it's nice little time capsule moments for people who are listening live. But um, right now, there's a lot going on in the world. There's a lot happening in Ukraine at this moment. And before pre- in preparing for this show, I was looking because I swear I I don't make things up in my head. Maybe sometimes I do, but I swear that over the years, because Yab has been around for um, six plus years now. I swear in some somewhere in that six plus years, I know I got an email from somebody in Ukraine. I know I did. I just, I know it. I just, I can see it. Some, something from Kiev. I can see that like signature line. And I was looking in my email today. I could not find it. We've changed the email servers a couple times in six plus years. So I'm, I'm wondering if it got lost, like if it was an original email that was sent like years ago or what, or maybe it's, I just didn't dig deep enough or something, but, um, but in in any case, I know we've I know we've gotten at least one download from Ukraine in six plus years to, of this podcast, and and certainly visiting from uh, visiting our blog. So um, so I don't know I don't know if anyone's presently listening to this episode in Ukraine or or if we've had readers listeners if we have them presently. But um, but yeah, it is crazy times. I was watching the other night because as we're recording this podcast, Russia invaded Ukraine. I think two days ago, two or three days ago. Um, and I don't know about you guys, like, does that hit you in a way? Like, a lot of times when I read about war, like wars and conflicts between countries, it feels like this is these are things that happened 60 years ago, 50. I mean, this is the first attack, another attack in Europe, like since World War II. Like, it's been 80, 90 years since this something like this has happened. And it always just feels like we've ascended past that. But then every time I feel like humanity has taken a definitive step forward, like something will inevitably bring us back. And I just remember watching on the news, it was like 11 PM or midnight or something. And I was just like transfixed to the screen, really akin to like, the only thing I can compare it to was when 9-11 happened. And this thing happened that, you know, was so dramatic. And so like, like, what is this? And I, you know, it's, it's weird to like hold it as an American where this is happening a world away, but, um, but with the wonders of technology and the internet, it's happening it might as well be happening next door. Like it just feels so much more, more real. Um, I don't know. I, do you guys have any just general thoughts or insights about, about the, I don't want to be dramatic and say this is world war three or anything, but like, it's crazy. It's crazy that another country invaded another country. Like, does that still happen in 2022? <laughs> the year of our Lord? Like, it's crazy to think about. Well, it's, it's really the first, I mean, this is like the, wouldn't this be like the first time something like this is happening with like social media and like live Mm -hmm. on the ground updates from just anyone with a cell phone and we're getting so much, uh, so much video footage of just things going down in the streets. I remember, um, yeah, seeing one reading a transcript from a video of a woman who was, um, just like getting, getting Russian soldiers to put, sunflower seeds in their pockets as a symbol of uh, of the Ukraine that that they have 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 invaded and, and and wronged the Ukraine so I mean we're we're just seeing lots of little little intimate details that um, that most people in wars throughout history haven't really been privy to yeah it is kind of startling to see it actually happen because I think there's been so much obviously that has happened in the last couple of years. On the one hand, it's not surprising to see now war become another thing we add to the list. But 
On the other hand, I think it's it's easy in the age of movies where we can see battles happen in much better picture quality than the phones of a real battle going on to kind of feel desensitized a little bit to the the real crazy that can happen in the Mm -hmm. world and Mm -hmm. the actual death and destruction and displacement that happens in a real war, not just a fictional war on the screen. Um, Yeah. So it's, it's depressing to see this is where the world still is and that we haven't moved past it. Um, And it's frightening to think about the fact that now, you know, everybody, there's a lot of nuclear powers in the world. Like the world has changed in terms of technology and weapons since then. So, you know, but God is in control as he always is. And, um, I, you know, I think he's capable of working good out of evil, but that doesn't diminish the suffering that we're seeing go on. Yeah. It's, and we're only, you know, a couple of days in as, as of this recording, you know, this episode will come out eventually. And then who knows? I don't even know, like when is, when this comes out, who knows what's happened since, since then. So we don't have, um, we don't have that foresight yet, but beyond just Ukraine, obviously, if we have anyone in Ukraine, our prayers are with you. Um, if you know anybody in Ukraine, our prayers are with you, but I think even just larger out, like people, we certainly have lots of listeners and supporters throughout the rest of Europe in that region. Um, I have, I myself have family scattered about Poland, which is like right next door, which is so crazy. Like, I don't know. I need to, I need to get in touch with my mom and just see if she's connected with, uh, cause you know, I still have aunts and cousins and uncles over there. So it's, um, it hits, it, it, it's again, the world is way more interconnected than, than we used to be. I mean, Aaron, you yourself have people in Sweden, right? Which is mm-hmm. not that yeah, far either. Sweden. It's like, I mean, yeah, it's an interconnected world. And so, um. I don't know. Just keep praying. Pray for Ukraine. Pray for peace. Pray for this crazy world, which just feels like, yeah, it feels like after getting through a pandemic, we should, we should we've earned like 170 years of world peace, right? But, but this this is a crazy world we live in. There's no way. There's no easy way to shift shift gears from that. But I wanted to give a shout out to a dear listener, Adam, who called the Yob line, who gave us this is going to be a lovely conversation because um he called the outline after our, our i don't know if it was after specifically after our gay representation in media episode or just in general in general and yob lately i don't know we're just in that rhythm where we're just talking a lot about gay <laughs> gay tv gay gay movie stuff like um our, our brother will he wrote a blog about a movie called handsome devil and then our brother eugene just came on a combo cast where we talked about luca and um so adam Somewhere in the midst of all of that happening, Adam decided to call the Yob line um, and had this question about a particular reality show with a certain drag queen and wanted our thoughts on it. Or I'll just, since I didn't prep Ryan or Aaron for this, I certainly have my own thoughts on this, but maybe they can chime in too. So let's play this voicemail from Adam and then talk about it. Hey, this is Adam. I've, I've, I'm a longtime listener of the podcast, Plural, and I've uh, really enjoyed hearing you guys dive more into representation in the media with films like Handsome Devil and movies like Luca, and that's been so great to listen to recently. And you guys are always really good at giving nuanced takes and hitting at topics from all sides, like you did uh, on Queer Eye, you know, a big staple of LGBT media. And I, I would love to hear your perspective on another staple of queer entertainment, uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, you know, the huge TV franchise. I'd imagine it's a controversial topic amongst the side B community. I've actually wanted to talk about it with some of my side B friends, but just 
haven't been bold enough to bring it up. Um, but I would love to hear your guys' thoughts on it. So thank you so much. Really love the show. And yeah, have a good one. Thank you, Adam. I don't believe he's ever called before. I was like listening back to it a few times. Like, do I recognize that voice? Is this someone in our community? I don't think I recognize the voice. So um, if that's true, first time caller, we love we love first time callers on the Yob line. And, and this is such a great fitting conversation because just for you, Adam, just for our listeners, he was asking about this show, which I've heard about for years and years and years. Um, and I've never watched it. Like I pride myself in being somewhat of a reality fan. Like I love Survivor, love The Amazing Race. I've watched a few seasons of Big Brother. Like there's a lot of reality shows that I just inherently am drawn to. But RuPaul's Drag Race cannot say that has been one that I have been drawn to and have ever watched. And after he, after he took the time to call the outline, I was like, you know what, you guys? For the people, I'm going to watch RuPaul's Ooh. Drag Race. <laughs> and l- last night, I watched the premiere of the first All-Star season. Because what I wanted to do was, like, I don't want to watch the first season of Drag Race because every every show's first season is weird. Like, it's trying to figure out what it is. And I was like, I want to go to when it's well-established. And furthermore, it was an All-Star season. So it's like, this is these are the best of the best. This is the cream of the crop that they brought back for a second time. Uh, and so I watched the premiere, not knowing who any of these people were, not knowing any of their pasts or histories or stories or anything. Um, and I have some thoughts. I have some some thoughts. I don't want to spend too much. This isn't the Drag Race podcast, so I don't want to like take 45 mm-hmm. minutes to talk about it. But um, but I was trying to figure out, like, why have I been resistant to it? Because within the first five minutes, it is like it is like a sugar rush. Like I, I pictured like the equivalent of like downing a giant pitcher of Kool-Aid and eating like gummy worms and i was just like it's just like colors on the screen and loud sound effects and music and it's just like it's a it's a lot it's a it's an aesthetic explosion so there's a lot going on just yeah. aesthetically with and this like show. every 30 seconds you hear rupaul's like laughter like floating yes. through the background like some like you're in some have carnival you, haunted so house true. have you seen it have you i didn't even ask if you guys have yeah seen I've, show. I've seen i've seen several episodes okay yeah okay. so have i somewhere okay. along the way i kind of tried to go back to the beginning too but realized that it must have started a long time ago because the audio and picture quality was really terrible mm. on the first seasons you know i need good. to apologize to you guys because i just assumed that you guys would have never dipped your toes in the rupaul waters but i i judged you i'm so sorry I'm so sorry for assuming that because this was my first time. Um, but yeah, it's, it was a lot. But so once, but once you like get used to it, once you get used to the water, um, I start watching it and it's just like, there's something, well, there's something unique about it. There ain't no show like that. Let's just mm-hmm. say, I mean, you could compare mm-hmm. it to maybe like America's next top model or some other judging shows. I mean, even like American Idol, if like the concept of being judged in front of people, like there's that commonality, I guess, but, um, but it's very unique and I was trying to figure out, like, yeah, why why was it so off-putting? Because I've just always avoided it because I've never been drawn to drag culture and and just like super flamboyant people. Like that's I've I've, I've realized, you know, whether this is internalized homophobia or or what. Like I just have been, um, I don't know. I've just been kind of turned off to that level of flamboyancy. And um, and there was something though that was just very redeeming about watching it watching the entire episode, not like checking out halfway through, like completing the episode. Um, 
and feeling a little enriched, if I can use that word, just to like have a knowledge of a world that I previously didn't know existed. Like, I'm not saying mm-hmm. I'm going to start binging the 50 seasons because they've done so many of these seasons now. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say I'm going to watch it. I, I might even just say I, I might watch the rest of this season because there's only six episodes in it. So I was like, maybe I'm starting to get a little intrigued about what happens. Um, so I'm not saying I'm going to watch the whole sh- the whole series, but um, but to at least be made aware of like this world, the drag world, and to get this insight is something that I'm like grateful for. Do you guys, can you relate to that a little bit in any way? Yeah, I definitely can because that was one of the big reasons I watched it initially was just because I, I'm LGBTQ, but I don't understand drag. Um, and that's not something I've ever been intrigued by or interested in. And so I was curious to see what is what does this look like in a show like this that's sort of presenting drag. And I think does give you a bit of a behind-the-scenes look to drag queens and drag stars. Um, but I, I would agree. I mean, I can understand how it wouldn't be everybody's cup of tea. Uh, <laughs> regardless of if you're homophobic or not, there are just going to be some people who don't enjoy that sort of crazy, boisterous show. But um, right. I really like... He ends every episode saying, if you can't love yourself, how are you supposed to love somebody else? And I really like that. I think that's a a strong message. And I also think it just humanizes people a little bit. So I think there's a lot of good qualities to it, whether or not you agree with what's going on on stage. Um, To me, it's more of an art, an expression of art than it is exclusively LGBTQ, uh, like making a statement about the gay agenda or something like that. So I don't find it off-putting, but... I can see how people would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would. I would say like for, uh, for like an elimination contest reality show, like it's got surprisingly positive energy. Where, um, where like there, there's a little bit of drama between the contestants, but from from what I've seen, you know, when when RuPaul dismisses a queen at the end of the episode, you know, she'll she'll say something like, "You're amazing." Um, and we're going on without you like and the like you're amazing and go out and you know do something else like there's this sort of um there's there's a sort of like constant uh affirmation i guess or not not constant affirmation because they certainly like level some pretty (laughs) pretty stark critiques (laughs) at the queens but like there's this sense of uh like they're they're not going to um like they're not going to attack and shame contestants for the same things the rest of the world is like they they might critique. I feel like they critique contestants, contestants, but don't, um, but don't utilize like shame tactics, which is, um, good. I mean, I think, you know, if, if you're talking about, if you're talking about getting, getting your like straight conservative friends to watch RuPaul's drag race, like, I think it's, kind of an uphill battle and not just because it's drag. Like I think if I, I'm thinking of like my, my pastor friends at church, you know, like I'm not going to get them to sit down and watch like survivor with me. Like, it's just not something that, you know, just that genre of TV is just not something that um, I think a lot of, a lot of people I know like have room in their lives for. And so, you know, even, even if I can sort of like, defend it to them like they're not i'm i'm not i'm not really gonna sell it to them i think what what the show has going for it is um like 
really impressive amounts of creativity and, um, and talent and, um, just impressive uh, improv. Like every, every, every act is really like an improv show. Right. Um, yeah. And, and so like these, it showcases these people who are incredibly talented among, along several different dimensions to give this performance. And so I think you can, you can sort of see the beauty in that and appreciate, appreciate that. Yeah, no, like I love, I'm not like huge into to makeup and costume and all that stuff, but then seeing the finished product and the photography that goes with it, like there was something like, again, if I'm looking for something to take away from it, um, yeah, that you put it, you put the nail on the head on something that I, that I was trying to think about too, was just like the improv of it, the, the energy, like everyone's just feeding off of each other and it just feels like it's, uh, um, like I feel better for having watched it, dare I say, like, and, and so going back to the question, like, it's so funny because I, I've thought about in the past, like, you know, it'd be really good if my, if my parents, if my mom in particular, but if my parents watched an episode of Queer Eye with me, like that would be so enriching, I feel like, just to give them a glimpse in this world. And then comparing that, like the idea of watching a Queer Eye episode versus a Drag Race episode, like Queer Eye might as well be the straightest, they might as well be, it might as well be like Terminator 2 or something compared to, compared to Drag Race. So I'm trying to think of like baby steps, what would be like something to introduce like redeeming LGBT culture and various mediums, but there's still something beautiful that they're creating that, that it can be redempt, that it can be redeemed. Like, I think that is a beautiful concept that, um, I don't know, that's, that's something that we're going to dive into with this episode today. So thanks again, Adam, for that call. Loved it. It was just so fitting for this episode. Every once in a while, voicemails might come in that aren't, that don't connect with what we're going to talk about in that, in that episode, because it might be referring to a previous episode, but it's always fun to like talk about previous topics to revisit those for a few minutes too. Um, so that was really great. Thanks for calling. And if anyone else has any, uh, drag race thoughts please go to our go to our podcast page and comment comment your drag race thoughts <laughs> no spoilers no spoilers if i don't i don't know who wins this season if i'm gonna go back and finish it or not we'll see we'll see what happens some quick announcements book club rolls on we're reading gay and catholic this month with eve tushnet and then next month we're reading deeper by dane ortland um, which is a follow-up to a book that we read last year for book club um, called gentle and lowly which got a lot of great reviews around around the world. So um, excited to read those here in the middle of Easter season. It'll be good. It'll be good to read those books. We would love to have you. There is, as we say at Book Club, there's always room for one more. We don't actually say that, but that's hopefully the vibe. There's always a vibe that one more, we, we could have one more person here and we would love to have you. So if you're interested, go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash your other bros and come to Book Club. It'll be the greatest two hours you spend each month, I promise. <laughs> I I sort of promise that um, as much as I can. It's it's a good time. I love I love book club night. And before we get to our episode, sponsoring this episode, guys, what would you say is the queerest form of media out there? The, the queerest form, the queerest outlet, the queerest avenue. <laughs> wow, like the queerest like. <laughs> like medium like cassette tapes versus like <laughs> we are not sponsored by cassette tapes today sadly this would be this would be great though we would be so fortunate if cassette tapes would sponsor our show um no the we we thank the circus for <laughs> sponsoring this episode. not any particular brand of circus mind you but the 
the circus. I'm reminded of, um, oh my gosh, such a great movie, The Greatest Showman, and the, mm. the soundtrack of that. Oh my gosh, think about that all the time. Um, so again, we're not saying that we're sponsored by Barnum & Bailey. I think they went bankrupt, didn't they? I think they did. Or they stopped. I, they ceased existing or something. I just, it was beautiful music. I don't know what happened <laughs> yeah, after that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We thank the circus for sponsoring this episode. Um, as we talk about LGBT plus media today, um, I want to go back to Aaron because Aaron, yeah, you you hit on something, this whole like Netflix deep dive and you can substitute Netflix with Hulu or Amazon or whatever the other ones are. Um Peacock, does Peacock have anything? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> it feels like it should. It probably does. Um, but yeah, like I, I didn't even know this was a category until however many years ago. Like it became an established category. There are now gay films that are available for streaming. Um, and you can watch one after the other. And I remember noticing that for the first time, whenever that was, you know, five years ago, ten years ago, something like that. Like, and just being very intrigued. And I probably watched one or two or something, or maybe more, I forget. But um, but something about it like called to me, whispered to me. And I don't know that it was necessarily all sinister. It was all like, you know, I can't wait to be aroused by something. Like I, that might've been part of it if I'm honest, but but there was something deeper to it. And that's kind of what I wanted to explore it as we kick off this, this subject. Like for you, when you saw that, like what beckoned you, what called you to watch whatever you, whatever you watched? <laughs> I watched all sorts of things. Probably some of the movies had different motives than others. But um, by and large, I think that it was particularly at a point where I was just starting to process my sexuality and just starting to really come out to a handful of people. And so I was really in a stage of exploring my sexuality a lot. And this felt like like I never wanted to watch them before because it felt too gay to watch a gay movie or something like that, or it felt wrong. And it was sort of that, um, that feeling of oh, I'm doing a bad thing watching this movie. It's kind of exciting, but you know, what you find is that a lot of them are not as sexualized as everybody thinks they are. Uh, and of course there's a lot of sexualized media out there, whether it's gay or straight. Um, and, I, I think there can be problems, you know, to some extent I was looking for kind of living vicariously, like a relationship or some sort of emotional connection through the characters in the film. Um, but also I was just trying to figure out my sexuality and that was a really helpful way for me to process it, which I think is true for everybody. A lot of people process things internally through media, whether that's a book or a movie or, um, you know, all, all sorts of different things, podcasts and things like that. So for me, it was just another avenue that I could use to explore my sexuality without having to necessarily talk to one of the few people that I came out to that wasn't ready to really talk to me about my sexuality. Yeah, no, that's really well said. It kind of, I can relate with a lot of that, like sort of living vicariously, but then also just having like, sometimes there's these gro the groanings of our heart as is in scripture, right? Something about that. Not to, not to say scripture says watch gay movies to, to sure. resonate with, but I felt like some sort of just, I just need, I need an outlet. I need something to just connect my humanity with another's, even though I might disagree with like if, if they're in a gay romance or having gay sex or whatever, whatever's happening on the screen or in the story, like there's still something about me that wants to see someone like me that is very rare. And that's kind of what we talked about last in our last episode with gay representation in media or or specifically trying to find like a side B or, 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 
a traditional LGBT Christian representation out there. Like I just need, I need something out there to connect with. Um, and maybe this doesn't do it a hundred percent of the way, but at least gets me somewhere um, that I think I definitely see like just a valid human response. Like when we read books, when we watch movies, when we watch shows, we're looking for characters that are like us, right? Like we want to connect with parts of the story. I think that's a human natural function. I love this comment from one of our yobbers because when I announced the topic and I put out some questions for them to answer for this episode, um, someone responded, this is a topic that I've been thinking about and considering and considering myself a lot recently. I appreciate you guys digging into it. So he already appreciates the fact that we're doing it. He hasn't even heard a word of this yet, but he appreciates it. And I'm hopeful that that's a snapshot of not only people within our community, but our listenership, whoever else is listening. If you're brand new, welcome. Welcome. What a great first episode if you're listening for the first time. Um, yeah, hopefully we can touch on some things that is common across us because everybody has Netflix now. Like this used to be a thing. Remember when you had to order the thing in the mail and you would wait a week for the thing to come in the mail and that's what Netflix used to be? <laughs> yeah, or or like, I mean, before, before even mail-in Netflix, did like Blockbuster even have an LGBT section? Or if it did, would you go up to it and pick it out and go to the cashier and right. slam it down? Like, I don't right. know. Yeah, yes. like I think, I think streaming services <laughs> might have something to do with kind of the, the explosion of LGBT films in the That's past true. like 10, 15 years. That's a great point because like there's no way yeah. I'd be going if, if Netflix wasn't existing. If I could go to if there was video stores, if I could go to a video store down the road and there was an LGBT section, would I be inclined to go to it? to be seen there, to pick one up and to walk to a cashier. I don't think I would, and I'm out, you know, I'm completely open with my story, but I don't think I would have that bravado to do that. And so the fact that it, you can watch it from the privacy of your home, that is interesting that you bring that up. Like, I didn't even think about that, that it's accessible um, to people who would have never otherwise consumed this. So one of the first questions that I put out to our community, I wanted to know um, that has there ever been a film, TV show, what have you, that you consumed something with gay characters, gay themes that you just regretted after you watched it. You were like, that was not helpful. It did not. Um, yeah. I just did not, did not enjoy that. It was not good for my, my spirit, my soul. And they're just asking why, why, why did you regret it? What happened? Um, and on the flip side of that, what drew you to it? Just like I asked Aaron, like what was, what was kind of the reason that you watched it in the first place? I just wanted to read a few of our Yabber comments and then get y'all's thoughts on anything that they say, if it resonates as we like to say here, or as I like to say here. Um, someone said this, I've seen a few works of queer cinema that are rather intense, and I can honestly say I don't regret it. They were essential to learning about queer history and culture, which is mainly what drew me in. Much of what I've seen has only reinforced my convictions and my chosen sexual ethic. I've only regretted watching when the movie simply was not a good movie, in my opinion. Some movies that aren't great still have some great parts, though. Um, yeah, is there, there's two sides of that that I wanted to focus on, like the historical part. Like, have you guys watched anything where you just had a glimpse into gay history or gay culture that you didn't um, know before? That you, again, that you're just grateful to have known from that? One that stood out to me was Imitation Game, which is not explicitly an LGBT. I still have not mm. seen that yet with Benedict Cumberbatch, yeah. Yeah, excellent film. I mean, I'm a World War II nut, so I watch pretty much every World War II movie that I come across. And I was actually, I, I didn't know a whole lot about his personal story, um, so I didn't realize that he was gay. And so it was very interesting because they put a bit of that 
biographical sense in there too, where it's it's about World War II, but it's also sort of about this guy who was instrumental in winning World War II, who was so poorly treated by his own country um, because of his sexuality. Um, and I, I guess I won't spoil the ending, even though it's it's his history and anybody could find it on Wikipedia. But um, it is it was a, a kind of a an eye opening moment because World War II doesn't it's a while ago, but it doesn't feel that long ago. So it's depressing to think about how people were treated, um, you know, in the forties. And of course we know how people were treated in the U S in the fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties. So it's not, hasn't been resolved by any means. Yeah. Imitation game. Uh, I, I loved that. I loved that opportunity to tell Alan Turing's story, you know, as I'm a software developer and my entire field is built on like the discipline of computer science, which Alan Turing is like the, the grandfather, the founding father of computer science as we know it. And, um, and, and so I'm, I'm proud to have kind of that, um, that figure of gay history, um, like in my, in my field, um, you know, I think with with the imitation game, we have to kind of use some some loose air quotes around history because I'm I'm not sure there's evidence that he had a, a romance with a um, uh, with with a woman at the at the place, you know. <laughs> but um, but that was that was a, that was a good movie. Yeah, and there's lots of other ones. I know I, I've never seen I never seen that. There's another one called Milk that talks about Harvey Milk that I haven't seen that people have had a lot of um, good things about to just give a glimpse into his life. Um, and so there is that element too, again, going back to drag race, like the, the base concept of just being made aware of something that you does, that you don't know much about. Like there's a curiosity there that inherently isn't sinister. That isn't bad. Like, um, and so there, there is that element that I would say um, as part of this conversation. The other one that I found interesting in that comment was finding and I'm curious how you guys re- relate with this statement, but like finding a greater conviction in what you believe after watching a story like that, like, is that something that you could sign off on and agree with? Or is that, or is that challenging? Like, have you watched a gay film and been like, I kind of really want that. And I don't feel more resolved. Cause I think that's where a lot of the pushback would come from watching a gay movie or a gay show would be like your, your convictions will be tested or you'll feel more tempted or you'll just, yeah, it'll, so I'm curious how that part hits, hits, hits you guys. Yeah. So recently I watched a web series called the gay and wondrous life of Caleb Gallo. And it is pretty short. It's like five episodes on YouTube and there, none of them is longer than 20 minutes. Um, and it, it's a comedy and it's legit, like really funny. Um, and I, I, I don't think I regret watching it because, because it is very funny, but, um, but watching it and seeing how all of these characters, their lives, which surely reflects the lives of the writers, um, like all of their lives just revolve around who's hooking up with who and like that, that's the extent of their life together these characters and they um they kind of define their relationships uh just in explicitly sexual terms and um yeah and and like i i guess i watched that and i think 
Well, that's really funny, but I'm glad I'm not them. Like, I'm glad that I have bigger, like a bigger view of, of, of life and my friendships and something bigger to live for than, um, getting to have sex with the the next person I want to have sex with. Yeah, I would agree with that. And for me, I think when I was first starting to process all of this, I was maybe more prone to just getting emotionally involved with what I was watching and feeling really sad and lonely and wistful. Um, Not all the time, but I think that was more common. And now having matured a bit and come a ways, I feel similar to how I feel about a lot of romantic comedies or just romance movies where they don't show you what happens a year after the movie ends. Like I love Love, Simon, but it ends with this beautiful culmination of them finally being together. And you don't get to see in six months like, oh, it didn't work out. They went to college and they grew distant and now they're on to the next person. So that's maybe my biggest critique is if you fast forward a lot of these situations, you realize it's not quite as glamorous as it, it looks initially. And anybody who's married will tell you the same thing. It's difficult. It has a lot of challenges. Um, and reading some blogs and some personal stories of people who aren't Christian necessarily, who, you know, lived sort of, um, you know, um, sexually free, I'll put it that way. Uh, they, they have a lot of baggage from doing that for their whole life and medical issues as well. And I think that's something that's not exclusive to gay people, but certainly if you do the research, you can find that it's not quite all it's cracked up to be for a variety of reasons. Well, and, and I think that points to something that I'm realizing as we're talking, which is that like the problems, I think the problems with consuming LGBT romance are really just problems with consuming romance genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. And think about, we just happen to connect to the gay dramas or the gay romance because yeah. that better embodies our personal experience. Yeah. So, I mean, personally, I've found that like consuming consuming LGBT romance isn't like doesn't make me happier, doesn't make me more joyful, doesn't make me more resilient, you know, doesn't make me more contented with life. And so I'm just not gonna do it. And I think it's it's all because like it's this kind of fake world that I can't have that doesn't exist, but but when I'm immersed in it, it feels like I could have it, but it's out of my reach. Um, and, and like, that's just not, that's just not like building me up. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. I wanted to comment though on something you said, Aaron, because I don't know if you've watched Love, Victor, but there is. I have, and they do, <laughs> they do have them in there. You said, you said we don't know what happens six months from now, but we kind of do. We kind of do know, not to spoil it. We do anything, now. But, you're right. Um, you're right. But no, I see what you're saying. Cause then what happens when love Victor ends? Then what we got to keep, there's, there's never, there's always more of the story that we don't know that we're not told. Well, they don't show you the fights and the arguments. Yeah, no, all the in between stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's, that's definitely true. Um, something that, that resonated with me, like I'm going to be very careful. Like we might reference a couple titles of things, you know, along the way. And you guys use your judgment. If you feel like you can't listen to this episode because we're referencing too many things and you just don't want ideas in your head. I mean, at this point you probably aren't even listening anyway. So, um, but I want to, I want to be, I want to do my diligent duty and like say, cause there's a, there's a movie out there that I really enjoyed, you know, with at least one or two gay scenes, nothing overtly sexual, but somewhat. Yes. 
Um, but they're beyond that, beyond the, the, the sexual scenes, like there's, there's a line that was said that really stuck with me when I saw it and it stuck with me when, when Ryan was started talking about it, about, about identity or, or gay romance or romance in general. Um, cause there's a straight character that asked the gay character, you know, as he's an adult now, doesn't it get better? Isn't that what you guys say? Doesn't it get better? It gets better. Right. And the gay character just looks at him and shakes his head and is like, no, it sometimes it doesn't. It's complicated. Dating is hard. Finding relationships are hard. And there is, mm. there is an honesty there that I'm not saying that all gay media, like, pretends that you know that everything's easy but but sometimes when you look sometimes there's like a kernel of honesty that is just so like man that just really resonated with my soul it's like oh my gosh like yeah get, like finding relationship in general whether you're dating or just becoming friends with somebody um like you don't all of a sudden have it all figured out like it's it doesn't necessarily get better in that sense like it's still work it's still hard to to find that yeah that that kernel of honesty um, that is something that I think can can make like a, a romance story worth worth experiencing, worth consuming. Like if there's something to it besides just the 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 romance, you know, the superficial lovey dovey romance. Um, you know, I I watched Brokeback Mountain, and I thought I came away thinking that was an incredibly beautiful movie that happened to have a gay romance at the, at the heart of it. Like just even, even just the scenery was incredible and the music. Um, and it was really, I feel like the movie wasn't even about the romance exactly. It was about two, two gay men who couldn't figure out how to fit their sexuality, reconcile their sexuality with the rest of their lives and the, the pain that that caused. Um, and, uh, and so I think that, you know, as, as I think about what, what makes like, uh, an, a piece of LGBT media, like what makes it something that I am glad I consumed or, or am glad I didn't consume. I think it has to do with, you know, is there something, is there something like true or beautiful or necessary kind of at the heart of it? that helps me be more in touch with the reality of the world. Yeah. And when it's done, when it's done well, it could hit you so to the core. I mean, just because of the nature of our sexualities being in common, um, like that can be such a, a resonating thing. Again, like I won't, won't name some of them, but there have been some gay films that I've watched that I'm like, like, yeah, maybe I don't, well, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't agree with the pursuit of a same sex uh, partner, but but there's something about the humanity of it that that is gripping and that is appealing that lands with me deeper than other places. And for some people listening, may not be in a place like I couldn't have watched these movies. I don't think when I was a teenager, I don't think that would have been helpful to me or would have been, caused more problems. Maybe not. I don't know. But I just know now in my 30s, certainly in my mid to late 20s, like it was something that was helpful just to um, again to start to work out all these these issues that I feel like. Do I feel romance for my straight friend or do I feel um, or why is this relationship so hard or, or like talking to my parents, like how, why is that so difficult? Like just finding commonalities with other, other people going back to love Simon to like have a kid who goes to the internet for help and just post something online and find somebody to connect with online, which I know is a very common story with, um, with your other brothers and people who find us this way or, or send an email to, to me or to Ryan or Aaron or to one of our other authors for the first time. Like that's, I know that's a, a thing that, 
um, you have something in common to share with with someone that you watch on a screen. So, um, so yeah, that's that's one element of it. I wanted to read this other comment as well, um, which I can relate with certainly. Um, he said, I grew up pretty sheltered and carried a lot of internalized homophobia into my young adulthood. As a result, I'd steered clear of a lot of LGBTQ media for a while. That being said, I feel like it's been really important for me to expose myself to some LGBT media. It's helped rip away some assumptions I've had, remove some shame, and come to see LGBTQ people as people in a way that was healing for me. However, this has led to some unhealthy places occasionally. Music videos are usually where I felt I go too far. Instead of informing myself, I end up disturbing myself. I think it's true across the board, though, that some artists just cross lines. My regrets in those instances aren't enough, enough, aren't enough, however, to cancel out the internal freedom that I've gained. Yeah, and he, he made a point in there, too, about like, any, like anyone, gay or straight, might take something too far. So like to make that exclusively a gay thing, like only, only gay media goes too far or is too sexual or is too like, I mean, my goodness, I mm -hmm. I'll be honest. I've seen more gratuitous sexual scenes between like a heterosexual couple in movies than I have. I think honestly with gay couples in these movies that I've watched over the years or shows. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's a pretty true statement <laughs> that, that it just like, why are the straight people having so much crazy sex or showing so much in these movies that are rated are even rated PG-13 in some cases, like, I don't know, there's, I think there's room to, to share that, share the load of some, someone going too far, so to speak. I don't know where exactly this scene fits in, but I wanted to mention it now because we've talked about Boy Erased a few times on the podcast. We did a blog about it with lots of our authors, so we'll link that post. Um, so beyond the conversion therapy part, which is not part of my story, but it's part of Will's story, it's part of lots of our listeners' uh, stories. Um, there was a scene in that in that movie that a lot of I remember like at least one or two of our guys commenting on it when it was brought up years ago um, because there's a scene where the main character like runs out of the building or he's like running through the streets at night and like there's he comes to like a bus stop I think and there's like a poster of mm -hmm. like a hot young male model or something like on the bus like stop backdrop or whatever and he just like screams or he like punches it or something i, I forget it's been a few years mm -hmm. since i've seen it but i just remember that snapshot of being a moment like how often have that has that been us where we're like going about our day maybe things are going great maybe things are going awful and then we just see like the epitome of like the thing that we're trying to resist or like mm -hmm. whether it's someone that's hot or attractive or whatever otherwise distracting or tempting or whatever and um, I just remember that being like such a resonant moment of like, yeah, been, been there, bro, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> which I appreciated on that, on that same, on a similar note, I also wanted to shout out the film Moonlight, um, a listener mm, yeah. reached out to me and reminded me about that film, which I regret forgetting about last time, uh, talking about representation and it's, it's a really excellent film that, you know, I, I, did that win it, best picture? That won best picture, didn't it? I think it did or at least sure. it was nominated i don't know if it won i'm pretty sure if i'm remembering correctly it was one of the like there was a snafu one year where one picture got best picture but then they made a mistake and it was actually moonlight i'm pretty sure hmm hmm that I sounds will, a little familiar i will erase this from the podcast if that's not true but if it's if you hear it <laughs> if you're listening to it now and it was just said then it's true i double checked during editing and it's happened it's true but yeah and there, there's so much of so much of the representation in that film doesn't really reflect my story, right? Because it's about it's about um, black black people in 
um, in, 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 you know, urban settings and, um, and, and yet there's a lot of representation that does, uh, speak to me like, like in the end, um, well, I don't want to spoil it, but, but anyone who, who watches it will, will recognize like the, a little bit of a side B representation to it, um, in, in a certain sense. Um, yeah. And, and so that, that's another, um, you know, I think I, as a, as a, you know, upper middle-class white guy, I learned a lot about the like black queer experience from watching Moonlight. Um, and, and so I think that there's, that's another dimension along which we can sort of see good coming from consuming LGBT media is that it does kind of open our eyes, especially as like white men opens our eyes to, um, I can't open our eyes to the experience of queer people who are, are in different demographics. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought up Moonlight, and because I've never seen it, it's it's been on my list forever, um, just to to see it. Because I I felt very convicted a couple years ago when I took a course. A lot of churches do it. There's a book called Be the Bridge uh, by Latasha Morrison, and it talks about building bridges between white culture, black culture, particularly within the church. But like, why 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 are Sundays so segregated? Like, why do we go to our different camps? And like, what what's happening there? Um, and it was a really great experience for me. I, t- I had lots of convictions and lots of takeaways from going through that course with my church. But um, but among them was like, how much black media do I consume? Like, when do I just sit down to watch something because black people are in it and black stories are being told? And why do I not? Why do I, why am I inherently not wired to care? Like, why why am I naturally? If I'm just being completely honest, why am I naturally drawn to watch white people to watch white movies? Like, why is that? Why is that in me? Like, what is going on there? And and just again, it all goes back to Drag Race, you guys. Everything goes back to Drag Race. This is a world that I do not know. I am not black. I am not a racial minority. And this is something that I just need. I need to see those stories told. I need to, obviously, I need to talk to, to people in my life too. I need to have um, people in my life to, to, to talk to as well. But to, to watch a movie, to watch a well-told story or to read a book about these types of experiences, I think is such a vital it's such a vital thing, especially as believers too. If we're called to love people, empathize, and be there, like I just, it's just such a vital, such a vital thing. So I'm glad you um, brought up the racial part of it too to go along with the the sexual identity piece as well. I asked our yabbers about what resonates, like why, um, what are some things, what are some things that you've felt um, that have caused you to connect with with LGBT plus media. Um, or conversely, I also asked, do you have any regrets or or do you have both? And are you able to hold both of those things in tension um, as far as like, was something helpful to watch? Was it not helpful? Or did it connect with some part of your spirit? Um, someone was really honest and he said this, I always, I always feel a sense of belonging and residence that's irreplaceable. So for him, he's quite, um, quite enjoyed all of these, all of these films that he's taken part in or that he's watched. Um, another one said, I've resonated with so many characters, feelings and lines more than I can count feelings of loneliness, lament, and joy watching a scene play out identically to my own experience. Like, yeah, that's another part that I can relate with too. the love Simon thing. It was so eerily similar. Like I was just like, I can't believe someone else. I can't believe there's a story happening that played out like so much of my life, not in the sense that I found a boyfriend or anything, but, um, but I found a bunch of boyfriends, right? I found, I found a community. 
who needs one boyfriend when you can have 500 you know see that's what i'm saying <laughs> that's healthy that's real healthy i mean that's when your other brothers the movie when that comes out then that that story will be way more accurate that'll be the tagline well, I have one boyfriend. <laughs> when you can, can have, have 500. 500. <laughs> At least. I mean, that's a starting point. You can have way more if you want. Yeah. <laughs> and so, my boyfriends. <laughs> <laughs> the new benediction is coming soon. We always tweak things along the way. You know, so my boyfriends. Uh, here's what someone else said, which I love. Love these thoughts. I've resonated with some characters, but more than that, I often find I resonate with music that names my experience well, secular and occasionally the Christian song. Music already takes up, takes us to deep places in worship, memory, or storytelling. So it makes sense that when it touches deeply felt parts of my sexuality that I kept hidden away in my homophobia, that it brings strong emotions and often helps me process things in a way words on a page or even conversations can't. Um, he, he wrote more, but I wanted to stop there because I just thought that was so rich and so deep. Like, I don't know, have you guys to go to a worship song. Like, have you guys ever heard a worship song or sung a worship song and you've, you've been able to connect some specific lyric to to your sexuality or or seen like a song, like going back to Boy Erased, I remember just like the soundtrack of that movie so vividly. Um, Troy Sivan did a bunch of the the music. I don't know if it was all him or, or he certainly did the main song for Boy Erased, but, but I was just like, there's no way this would be as effective if it wasn't written by a gay person, if a gay person wasn't singing the lyrics to the song that's happening like it just it gave that the gravitas and the um yeah just the emotional resonance that i just is one of my favorite parts of that movie his comment went on to talk about comedians which i thought was kind of interesting another thing that surprised me i found deeply healing was lgbtq comedians or tasteful jokes about our experience it occurred to me growing up that most of the humor or the comedians I heard were straight people relating to straight experiences. I could still laugh and find it funny, but it didn't relate to my experiences. And that's a surprising form of media I've found healing. Yeah, I didn't even think, it's so great when we put out comments to the community because like, those are two things that were not in my mind when I'm thinking about LGBT plus media. I'm not thinking about music or I'm not thinking about comedians or stand-up acts, but that's media. And I love that people thought about that when, when this question and the prompts were put out. So I appreciate that comment so much. Yes, one of my favorite like stand-up specials on Netflix is Nanette from Hannah Gadsby. She is a lesbian Australian, or perhaps an Australian lesbian, and um, and she uh, she you know opens with some like t- tasteful humor, like um, like the like, like the commenter said and. Um, and just like very relatable humor about the, about the queer experience, about coming out to people, about looking at pride and, and wondering like, oh, where's, you know, where's the parade for the quiet ones? Um, and, uh, and, and she kind of goes on to break down, like it, it almost turns a little meta and she talks about, um, her her comedic process, like in the midst of this comedy set, like talks through her comedic process and um, and the problems with um, just being making her humor self deprecating all the time and um, and it's a really a really insightful but also funny but also touching um, performance. Wow, check it out! I think the term is Australian lesbian. I think that's what you were looking oh. for. <laughs> 
<laughs> just put that up. Shout out to any Australian lesbians listening. We know we love we love you. We love our other sisters. Um, yeah, no, I love I love that, and I'm sure there's plenty of other things that we're leaving out too when we think about media. Like it's such a diverse spectrum now. Even like gay like gay films, like there's gay short films or there's gay short stories or there's even like what do you guys think? I didn't even think about putting this into the prompt, but like to some extent, your other brothers like we're like are we LGBT media? Like we're telling gay stories on our blog and we dabble those into the podcast. Like there and. To be fair, like we have been criticized over the years that we go too far and we talk too much about sexuality or sexual identity or or shared nudity or whatever the things we talk about, erections, what have you. I mean, there's there's sometimes where people be like, that's not helpful to me. And there's a criticism launched at Yob or even if we wanted to expand the net like to organizations like Revoice or people who quote unquote make sexual identity too much. Like, I don't know. Any, any thoughts come to mind when you think about about even something with a Christian focus? Do you guys support Yab? <laughs> <laughs> you've, got me, you've got me wondering, Tom. <laughs> I don't mean to plant seeds of doubt, but these are just what the people, this is what the people are saying out there, some of them. Well, I think it's interesting if I can just point out as an aside, like how we we look at the phrase lgbt plus media and immediately we think of like the the gay romance section mm. of netflix mm-hmm. when there's like so much more out there to talk about and and enjoy and appreciate yeah and not lgbt not every lgbt media has a gay scene has a gay kiss has nakedness has mm-hmm. like i've watched a few things where none of that happens and so what is lgbt media at the core of it you know that's that's mm-hmm. a very interesting point mm-hmm. yeah i think that's a good point um yeah, I think I think it's so true. I mean, it all comes down to being mindful about what you're consuming and about what impact what you're consuming has on your faith and your spiritual journey and your ability to love the Lord and be obedient to him. And if what you're consuming is hindering those things, then you might want to take a look at whether or not you should be consuming that and you probably shouldn't be. Um, but for many people, it's not that black and white. There's a lot of good and bad that's happening in any given film or movie or or song that's all coming at you at once. And there's different seasons where that trigger, that sexual trigger or that emotional trigger might be just too much. Even if there's good there, you can't consume the good because there's going to be some bad issues along with it. And there's going to be a lot of seasons where people are healthier or need something that some media is going to say that make it perfectly okay um, to consume co- some of that because there's a lot of sh- straight sexual media out there where there's boobs all over the place, but that, that doesn't do anything for me. So me watching that, Aaron, you can't say boobs. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm going to say it. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. So I think it's one of those things where it's just like, you have to figure out for yourself what's going to be healthy. Um, but but yeah, I think in terms of Yab, a lot of what we're trying to do is we're just trying to share people's stories so that people can understand that they're not alone and so that people understand this is something that people are going through. I don't think any of us would say we're the theological powerhouse of the Christian world trying to shape 
um, theological discourse. I know. We are, we are a theological on. powerhouse. <laughs> well, we, we have two we pastors be, on the podcast. That's that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> we we want it to be gospel centered and we want it to be Christ centered, yeah. but we also are comfortable, I think, living in the tension of this is where I was and I don't know what to do with that. And I think that's important for our audience to have a place they can go to that is Absolutely. talking about that. Yeah. Along the lines of discernment, because that was my last prompt for the Yabbers was just like, how do you discern? What's what's the process for deciding what to watch, what not to watch, what to consume, what not to consume? Um, one person said, sometimes you just got to learn in the field of hard knocks. Is that a field? Is that a place you go? The, the field <laughs> of hard knocks. Um, I steer away from that artist or I avoid listening to this song when I'm sad or only watch this actor when I have friends presence, learning from experiences gone wrong. And I think that's just like showing yourself grace. Like, yeah, sometimes you might watch something mm -hmm. gay themed mm -hmm. or straight themed for that matter that wasn't helpful, that wasn't beneficial to your soul. And like acknowledge it and make it a self-awareness. Don't beat yourself up about it, but just be like, okay, now whenever something else like that pops up in the future, just to to have that level of awareness of like this is not going to be helpful for me. Like just to to chart that chart that away, I think is a very simple, I say simple, but it's just like that's a very tangible thing that we can that we can do, that we can learn from. Yeah, yeah. For me, I think, you know, there's there's porn out there and I try not to watch it, but there's also like, there's also like emotional porn out there. That's just, it's not, it's not real. And like people, people watch it for this gratification, not, not to actually like, you know, I don't, I don't think it's actually going to improve anyone's life watching it. And, and I think, you know, when I see uh, a trailer for a film or, you know, when I, when I see marketing for something, I can sort of, I feel like I, I can get a vibe to where like, uh, that that's, that's emotional porn. And that's not going to be like, mm -hmm. it's not going to make me happier. Emotional porn. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> not that I love emotional porn, but I love that phrase. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's real. I can completely connect with what, Absolutely. what you're talking about. And the talk, the talk about a trailer, someone else mentioned trailers. Um, someone said in one case, I watched the trailer and read the plot of a movie and quickly realized it would have a harmful effect. Um, and so, yeah, I think trailers for movies, you know, you can watch a trailer and usually a trailer will be for all viewing audiences, right? And so you can at least get a base level taste of what the movie's going to be or the vibe of it. And so I think that can go, that can be a long way as far as going to films or shows go. Um, along the lines of emotional porn, though, I think I kind of wanted to read this comment, which goes into that concept um, a little bit. Um, someone said, it's not so much that I worry about being triggered by gay sex scenes, even if I do believe they're unhealthy for me to watch. What I'm even more triggered by is a sense of longing for what I don't have. When I see a film with two men in an intimate, loving relationship with each other, or when I see a gay man who's able to live fully as his authentic self, it makes me long for those things in my own life as a chaste, closeted gay man. It can be really hard to watch on-screen characters living the life I wish I had. But because I also believe authenticity and male intimacy are good things, I will sometimes take the risk to watch an LGBTQ media piece anyway, especially if it's been recommended by someone I trust. When I felt safe to set aside my fears and watch these shows, I've come to realize it can be a way to celebrate my sexuality, even from the closet. Um, and I just appreciated such honesty there from that person because um, we have people listening who are in all all sides of the spectrum, inside mm -hmm. the closet, outside the closet, married, single. Um, and there are some things that are going to be extremely beneficial or uplifting for one person that would have a completely devastating effect on someone else. And so there's no... 
there's no yes to all of these or, you know, discernment is good. I love the piece that he put too about a trusted friend, like recommending something to him. Like, I think that's a huge piece too. Like if you develop relationships with other people, particularly other side B, other, other gay identifying folks um, within our community or otherwise, like, I think that can be a huge piece too, to be like, Hey, would it be beneficial for me to watch this? And then someone said yes, or someone said no. Um, I think that's a great piece too, to, to have word of mouth and to have a little bit of accountability there. Mm-hmm. I think, I think for me, I connect with God. And I think probably a lot of people do when I feel deeply. So there's a lot of secular media out there that's not Christian that has really benefited my faith because it's made me feel something that has allowed God an opportunity to come in. And sometimes those things are negative emotions, like it's sadness or loneliness or feeling a lack of something. And that kind of causes me to reflect and think, okay, why why do I feel this and what is it that God has to say to me in this? And sometimes it's other uplifting things that can be really helpful. But again, I, I think it's it's so much more about how God is speaking through what we're consuming and how what we're consuming impacts your faith than it is about what you're consuming. Not that there aren't, you know, porn is bad. There's a lot of inherently problematic things, but there's a lot that I don't think is positive or negative. It's more neutral. And it depends on the individual. Wow, y'all. Like this this is the topic that keeps giving. Like LGBT media, we talked about representation. We talked about discernment and discretion today. I mean, I feel like we could talk even more about like intersectionality. We 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 mentioned race a few times. I mean, we um there there's even like more sort of focus we could give on on like with within the sexual minority umbrella of LGBT, like talking about uh, bisexual representation or trans representation. Um, and I mean, I think we could probably do a whole episode about drag race, right? So. Absolutely. It all comes back to drag race, which <laughs> kicked off this whole conversation. Yeah, no, honestly, there's, there's so much. Um, and that's why it's important, right? That's like, that's why media, that's why stories are so important. That's why Yab exists. Like we see the value in story and having our story told and represented and written form and audio form, um, maybe in visual form one day with, with films or something. But like, I just love, um, I love the story medium. I mean, I've been drawn to story since I was a, a little kid and I think all of us are in some, and just in our shared humanity, we're all drawn to story. And so, um, so it's important. It's important to, um, to tell our story as sort of like a cathartic release for us. But like what I've found over the years, it's like, it's kind of less for me and more for like, like all of a sudden there's people consuming my story that I didn't even know existed and, and we'll probably never meet this side of paradise, but like maybe, I mean, I've met Ryan and I've met Aaron and I've met 498 of my other brothers, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's so great. And there's so many layers to why story matters. And so hopefully we'll get to keep exploring those. I don't know if we'll keep doing them in succession. I don't know if Ryan and Aaron kind of want to switch it up and talk about something else next time, but maybe, maybe we'll keep the media train <laughs> rolling. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see what we'll talk about next time. I'm curious to hear how this episode landed with you. Again, we kind of hit LGBT plus media from lots of different angles. Ryan just listed a few of them. So if you want to talk about any of those, any of those things that we talked about, or if you have another angle that you want to explore, go to our podcast episode page, otherbrothers.com slash podcast. Go to the episode 93 post on LGBT plus media and tell us a story because that's what we're here for. We want to hear your stories. So we'd love to 
continue the conversation in the comments. We've gotten a few comments lately. You know, comments have tapered a little in recent times, but last couple episodes, we got some comments. Um, so if you guys want to check out those, um, those comments, those stories, go check out our blog. And thank you, The Circus, for encircling this episode. You know what a huge regret of my life is, you guys? I never went to the circus. Not once. You never went to a circus? Not once. You did miss out. Have I lost... I've lost my chance, right? Like it's gone. There's no more circus. Yeah, no, no such thing anymore. There's, uh, there's, there's Congress. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, oh Ryan, oh Ryan, you're so funny. That's probably the closest thing we're gonna get, though. Yeah, going to an open session of Congress. We love America. There's always, I can always just keep rewatching Greatest Showman. There's always that, right? That's not going anywhere. I mean, I, I feel like the real circus uh, <laughs> surely would never live up to the greatest showman, right? Like, no, it would probably would just, just be, be really, yeah, right. it would be really dark and smelly, and I don't know. It, I, I, it's probably more illustrious on screen. I, I would think so. And I mean, the whole point of the circus was to show people unique things they'd never seen before, and now we have CGI, so we just make now whatever we, have we want. YouTube, and yeah, you can just yeah. there's the world's your oyster, but. Maybe our listeners. Have you guys been to the circus? Let us know. Let us know in the comments when you're telling us about this episode, if you've been to the circus or not. And if you've seen Drag Race, don't forget that too. Um, uh, Ryan Aaron, thank you for going down this sequel trail with us, the spinoff circle, whatever this episode was in relation to the last episode. Um, just great to hang out with you guys. Maybe we'll consume some form of gay media together one time. I've never seen. I meant to say this, Ryan. I've never seen Brokeback Mountain. That is one oh, movie boy. I've never seen. We'll have to do a double header of Brokeback Mountain and Moonlight next time. Mm. There we go. There we go. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> Maybe we'll sprinkle in a uh, episode of Drag Race to lighten the mood a little bit. Give some love. Yeah, that yeah, would be good. yeah. We would definitely need that. <laughs> and that's me, the sad boy, talking. So yeah, throw sandwich in some uh, Drag Race in the middle, and we'll be we'll be set. Mm. All right. Well, love you guys. Thanks for doing this with me. Thank you for everyone listening. For all you other brothers, my name's Tom. This is Ryan. And I'm Aaron. Reminding you that you are not alone. Even the sparrow finds a home. See you next time, everybody. Bye, all of Tom's boyfriends. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to Your Other Brothers Podcast. Our show is edited and produced by Thomas Mark Zuniga. If you enjoy our show consider rating and reviewing us on apple podcasts you can also follow us on facebook twitter and instagram at your other bros we'd love to hear your story comment on this or any of our episodes at yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast or share a story to play back on our show by calling us at 706-389-8009 you can also email us at podcast at yourotherbrothers.com or write to us at Your Other Brothers, P.O. Box 843, Asheville, North Carolina, 28802. Finally, if you'd like to further support our storytelling, community-building efforts, consider becoming a Yabber. Yabbers pledge monthly on Patreon and receive perks, like bonus podcast content, access to a secret Facebook group, regular group calls with fellow patrons and authors, and more. Visit patreon.com slash yourotherbros for more information. Until we journey next time, We're glad you're with us.